It's the final hour of the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Brought to you by Chris Nickel Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. We want you to get involved right now on the Neuropathy Clinic of Oklahoma text line at 918-262-5072. Or on the phone line at 918-879-1170. You won't get me with that pause anymore, big voice guy. 756 on a Friday drive to work here on the Blitz 1170. I'm Rick Corey. That is Bryce Saltz. We're in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio and really not that far away from... It's also Oilers football. We know what high school basketball season's in full blast, and we know no matter where you are in Bixby, you support an athletic program. And right now we're going to talk to one of their guys. Lance Kite is the head basketball coach at Bixby on the boys' side. Brought back four starters from a 20-6 and six team last year and obviously put at least one young man in Division One basketball. Lance, uh, thanks for your time this morning. I, I know it's, you know, Four starters back, expectations. How would you sum up with how it's going? You know, it's going well. Uh, we're trying to find some consistency. We went through about a two-week period, uh, Rick, where we, we just had some nagging injuries, some ankles, had a kid take a, a charge, and tailbone was bothering him. I'll be honest, the the ice break, we missed about four or five straight days of practice, and mm-hmm. it was probably great for us. We've uh, we've come out of that playing really great basketball Um Took third place in the Shawnee tournament last week, which literally I thought was the toughest tournament in the state last week. And uh, really excited for tonight and uh, tomorrow night against BA. So, uh, first of all, I want to ask, and I want to get to this year's team, but I think it's really cool that you got guys going and playing major basket, you know, major you know, college basketball, which is so much fun. And you happened to send a guy last year to Wake Forest. How is Parker doing? You know, he's doing great. I uh, I talk to P probably uh, twice a week. Um, after every game, we shoot texts back and forth, or, or I'll call him, and, or he'll call me, and uh, he'll still ask, Coach, what do you think? What do I need to do better? He's uh, he's found the right place. Uh, Coach Forbes uh, sold him on a, on transition basketball. Wake's one of the leading scoring teams in the in the nation. They, uh, they shoot a lot of threes. They're using him as a catch-and-shoot guy this year, but uh, he's having an awesome year. He's uh, – playing about 22 minutes a game in the ACC, uh, first guard off the bench, and uh, plays his role to perfection. He's that is, it. That's fantastic. What does he think of Wake? Does he like the city and all? Yeah. yeah. He, uh, you know, he said it's it's crazy because uh, everybody knows in Oklahoma and Texas, football, football, football's king. He said it's crazy out in North Carolina. Uh Football takes the back door to basketball, and that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what Parker was. That's kind of what Parker was looking for. Yeah, and especially in that area, Duke, North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Wake, yeah. not that far away from all that. I mean, and even if you go into the Durham area, you got NC Central and some other teams who are lower division, but really good teams. Talking to Lance Kite, he's a big speed head coach in basketball. All right, let's get into the year because, as you said, you, you had a lot. As I said, you had all these starters back. And there, you yep. know, there certainly have been losses, but you says you, you mentioned you kind of caught fire coming out of that break with the only loss being to Choctaw in the last few year, or last few weeks, and tonight Ponca City. Tell me about them. You know, the Ponca City is uh, is a young team. They've got a, they've got a point guard that's a three year starter, but the other guys are, are young. They're, they're going through a new coach, so he's installed a new system. Watching them on film, man, they can, they look really good for a quarter, and then it, they struggle for a quarter or two. You know, uh, it's basketball. We went up there first game, second game of the season, and won by twenty. Uh, but you can't overlook them. They've got the athletes to compete with anybody. It's just you know, if they shoot the ball well, they 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 can pull the pull off the win tonight. Um, we've got to take care of what we do well. We're we're trying to focus on us more than everybody else. Just what can we do? We're we're averaging seven turnovers a game, which is tremendous in high school basketball. 
um, that gives us a chance to win every single night. So we're we're a lot more focused on us than other people right now. So 8 o'clock here on the Blitz 1170 on a Friday drive to work. Coming up in a half hour, Brian Wacker covering the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. Right now talking to Lance Kite from Bixby. I'm Rick Corey with Bryce Hulls. Coach, one of your players that sticks out to me is Spencer Hawley, who's been having a really good year and a very versatile player. Uh, what can you say about him and what makes him so efficient for your team? Well, Spencer's kind of a Swiss Army knife. He can he can literally guard a one through a five. You know, he's, he's a 6'4", 180 pound kid and uh his his growth over the last year he started for us last year but he's taking his uh he's taking his role to another level he shoots the three well um he attacks people off off the bounce um like i said one of our best defenders and rebounders uh can't say enough for what spence brings every day uh he's one of the guys that was was battling that uh he was just battling a nagging injury and and like i said coming out of the uh, i call it the ice break uh, man, he has looked fabulous for us, and we got to have Spence on the on the floor. You got others, you know, Tristan Driver, Tom Coffey. You got yeah. some other guys who are playing pretty well. Cooper, uh, just run through some other guys and how they're playing right now. You know, uh, like I said, we we lost Parker, and I think a lot of people thought, oh, we're going to drop off the map. Mm-hmm. But uh, we did return four starters. I mean, Tristan Driver, my point guard, and he's averaging twenty four points a game. Uh, one of the most dynamic point guards in the state. He's a junior. And um, he, he kind of gets us going uh, early a lot of games. Spencer's a two-year starter. Luke Fredrickson, Parker's brother's a three-year starter. Maybe the best three-point shooter in, in Tulsa. Uh, and then Sam McCormick's my other starter uh, that's a three-year starter. And, and, you know, Sam's one of, the, one of the best football players in the state. And he, he can play a little round ball, too. He's, <laughs> he's rounding into form. He, uh, he was coming in uh, – a little stiff, a little banged up from football, and he's really got going. Then I, our bench is really what's carried us this year. Cooper Fisk, Thomas Coffey, Nick Fredrickson, three seniors right there that play huge minutes for us. Uh, Ryland Annals, another senior. I think I think we played ten guys against Jinx Tuesday night in the first quarter. I mean, wow. uh, our bench is uh, our bench depth. We, we rely on it heavily, and we're playing really fast trying to get into other people's benches. Is the Fredrickson family your version of the Presleys for football? Uh, you know they are somewhat. Uh, Nick's had some. Uh, I tell you what, Nick has had some uh, posterizing dunks this year. Uh, I thought he had the dunk of the year against uh, Sean. I'm sorry, against Stillwater. Uh, just came out of nowhere. Off, uh, we missed a three, and he came out of nowhere and put one down. And it was nasty. I mean, the, the Fredericksons. Uh, it's it's a good bloodline. I'll say that. Yeah, I would imagine. So I noticed that you, I mentioned coming up, and you, I mentioned Ponca City, but then one of your, you know, you don't have a lot of losses, but one of the biggest happened to be to Choctaw and you got them coming up tell me about that team and what was you know what was, went wrong that game and what do you expect next time you know we uh, I, I think Choctaw is one of the best teams right there with Edmund North in the state they were in the state semifinals and they were literally a bucket away from playing in the state finals last year got pretty much everybody back uh, we actually uh, right before Christmas break they came to our place and we knocked them off one night we shot tremendously mm-hmm. well I think we had six threes that night Played them in the semifinals the other night, and they were amped for us. I think they've got two losses on the year, us and somebody out of Edmond, Edmond Memorial, Edmond North, I don't remember. And uh, they came to play. Uh, defensively, it's it's like playing a daggum junior college team. I mean, they are <laughs> physical. They are athletic. Uh, they knocked down shots. Uh, it was a three-point game at halftime. I think they were up five or six going in the fourth, and, and they pulled away. We uh, we had some turnovers down the stretch that, that led to big plays for them. You, you just can't do that. I, I personally think they're probably at the top of our district. Um, 
you know, we get them next week at their place. It's, it's going to be a wild game that Friday night. Just two things to close up here with Lance Kite. He's the head basketball coach at Bixby. If you have a question, you're welcome to text it at 918-262-5072 or in Rob Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line. When we mentioned having four starters back, that's a blessing. It can also be when you lose a really, you know, really great player, you know, you send to Wake Forest. I don't want to say a curse, but you do have to find somebody to fill that role. And there are expectations that come with that. Has it been easier? Has it been harder? Has it been about what you thought? You know, it's actually been a little easier, Rick. Uh, we talked after Parker graduated. I, I We had a meeting uh, over the summer. We played a lot of summer basketball. And I said, I'm not going to ask anybody to, to put up the numbers Parker put up. Just collectively as a group, uh, we all have to chip in a little extra. Uh, I'm a big weight room guy. I told him, you know, we've, I think we've got the best strength and conditioning coach in, in the state, if not the nation, in Coach Myers. And every one of my guys are with him every single day. Um, and, and I told him we got to get stronger. We got to do the little things that may not show up in the stat line. And, and collectively, this group uh, we're senior and junior dominant. I only suit one sophomore on my varsity, and uh, it, it's nice taking 17 and 18 year old uh, kids to play 15 and 16 year olds. A lot of nights. Yeah, that doesn't stink. All right, the last thing is I was looking at some of the scoring averages quarter by quarter, and your team just seems to be a really good first quarter team. What gets you off to such great starts? You know, I think some of that's just just senior leadership and, and Tristan Driver, like I said, three-year starter. We understand we're ready to play no matter where it's Ponca City or Choctaw or Broken Air. These guys come out um, the other night. I, sometimes we use this term too much, but I felt like we hit jinx in the mouth and uh, – staggered them early um that's kind of our mindset um these guys are mentally tough it's it's a fun fun group to coach um i wouldn't say we're better than i thought because i thought we would be pretty good but uh when when they all bring it and have the right mindset we we can jump on you early and we've done that a lot this year yeah if these scoring averages are still correct and i know sometimes it's difficult in high school averaging 17 in the fourth 16 in the third 19 in the second and 31 in the third I mean, that is hitting yep. people in the mouth. There's no doubt about that. All right, so the very last thing before you go, you've got to help us out because, I mean, we all know where Bixby is. We all like out in Bixby. I mean, I'm a, a frequenter of the yeah. Apple Barrel out there. Where's oh, your yeah. Where's your go-to breakfast? Oh, my gosh. I'd say the Apple Barrel. That's, uh, you know, it's second to none. Um, I – I personally uh, probably eat way too many cinnamon rolls there. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, if I'm if I'm in a hurry, Rick, I, I might swing by the donut shop and, and grab some sausage rolls downtown. Man, they're they're top notch. But it's hard to beat the apple apple barrel. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm not even a I'm not a much of a sweets guy, but I had a waffle. I had a bite of my daughter's waffle there one time and then stole the rest of it. Uh, Lance, uh, I'm 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 happy for you. It's really cool when you lose somebody like Parker. It's sometimes difficult, but you guys have obviously filled in nicely, and I'm loving what we're seeing it's a good time to be out in Bixby thank you for your time and continue continued good luck appreciate what you guys do Rick have a good day man you betcha that's Lance Kite from Bixby he is the high school basketball coach by the way I kept saying night when I was trying to introduce him earlier today that's my fault for being stupid Lance Kite Bixby basketball coach and a tremendous dude we talked to him last year I love his enthusiasm. I love the fact they're that as as veteran as they are too. And even though they've had a couple of losses, watch out for him. As you say, if he's taking 16, 17, I mean, he's taking 17, 18 year olds yeah. with him everywhere, and you're starting those guys, you're only suiting one sophomore. 
Now, that does mean that next year you have to kind of think about it, but, I mean, that's that's a blessing, man. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, coming up in about 23 minutes, Brian Wacker covering the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. We'll get into that. When we come back, uh, we'll, I've got some Dion news. There's some of it cool. There's some of it not so cool. And one, you just go, all right, that's Dion. We'll get into that next right here on The Blitz. The Blitz text line is always open, 918-262-5072. You can text us anything you want at any time. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on The Blitz 1170 and streaming on The Blitz 1170 app. The Oklahoma State Cowboys look to get their first conference win tomorrow as they host West Virginia. It'll be the Remember the Ten game. Tip-off is at 1 o'clock. You can listen to that and the 12 o'clock pregame here on the Blitz. The Oklahoma Sooners look to bounce back tomorrow as they host another Texas team. This time, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Tip-off is at 1 o'clock. And the Tulsa Golden Hurricane will be on the road tomorrow night as they'll be visiting the Rice Owls. Tip-off is at 7, and you can listen to that and the 6.30 pregame over on Big Country 99.5. The ORU Golden Eagles were winners over Omaha last night, 74-67. Isaac McBride once again led ORU, this time with 22 points. The Golden Eagles will be back in action tomorrow night as they host South Dakota State at 7. That's the Window World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson, the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? Call us up at 918-879-1170. We want to hear from you. That way, and you can also text us at 918-262-5072. Here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio, I am Rick Corey. Remember, the Oilers are home all weekend long. Tonight is Star Wars night. First thousand fans get a space sword. Tomorrow, it's the night I wish I was really there, honestly. Scooby-Doo night. First thousand kids get a free youth jersey, and then they will be wearing the Scooby-Doo jerseys, which are stinking fantastic, uh, which are for sale, by the way. And then on the on Sunday, it's family fun day, which means you get to go out and skate with the players on the ice after the game. They have skates you can rent there. You can even take your own. Alright, so we had a text at 918-262-5072 from Steve. I asked about you know predictions. He says... Niners 31, 31, Lions 28. Then he says, only because Pop would be nervous for two weeks and it would be worth it. (laughs) (laughs) And and Monday is Jeremy's birthday. Mm. So I'll announce that right here. So if you want to get something for Jeremy, any any Niners wear would be absolutely worthwhile. He's a clothes guy. uh, So it's got to be nice, right? Uh, And a hat guy, too. So, you know, you got you got hats for him, too. So if you're if you're looking to send him something, I don't think he'd probably turn down food either. But, you know, I'm just telling you, Monday's the birthday. Uh, So that would be a good gift is having the Niners win. But then, as we said, he'll be nervous, you know, if if they do. So he says 20, 31, 28. All right. Then he's he picks the Ravens 24, 23. And this is funny. I haven't mentioned this on the air. He said, I'm going to do that because of the Super Bowl logo conspiracy, because the Super Bowl logo is red and purple. Right, you know, and got some black in there too, and they're they're saying that you know, well, that's the Ravens' color, so the NFL did that on purpose. And mm-hmm. actually, there was one it was a TV station that had a promo, or was it a network? Maybe a network that had a promo for the Super Bowl and already had San Francisco and and Baltimore in there. Oh wow! And it had game time and the whole thing, and it named the teams. I think like the last three years or something, 
it's been in that order. Yeah. Like the colors have been yeah. this, like very similar. So yeah, to, what, and, to whatever teams are there. Yeah. So he said, you know what? I'm just going to go along with the scripted conspiracy theory on that one. Ravens 24, Chiefs 23. All right. So there's Steve's predictions. You can make yours at 918-262-5072. And of course, you can uh, drop that something off for Jeremy. All right. So we mentioned uh, coming up in uh, 14 minutes, by the way, uh, Brian Wacker covering the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. We mentioned Dion's in the news. One of the things he's in the news for is really fantastic. Remember we told you earlier this week about, you know, a lot of these schools have given out their their yearly end of year, here's how much our athletic department made. Uh, the the biggest income came from for Texas A&M with the list to show for it. <laughs> God, they continue. But up in Colorado, and we knew it was going to happen, right? Dion's first year, what's going to happen? So Dion and the overall, the school, they're – Overall income from athletics was $127,028,292. That's a $32.2 million spike from 2022. 32.2 mil. It's the first time they've ever crossed the $100 million revenue ever. And it's uh, in that one person in that, yeah, in that one, yeah, in that one person. And in the middle, middle of all that, they just were consistently in, in, you know, taking the oxygen out of, you know, everything in college football, especially early. You win the TCU game, win the Nebraska game. Uh, but it's just, it's ridiculous. Now, of that, you might ask, all right, so what's each thing? Well, Coach Prime's football team was 83% of the revenue, 83% overall. The collective athletic department, actually fell in a deficit, but, you know, that's because they spent a lot of money, too. And the thing with A&M is, yeah, they made a lot, spent a lot, still had an almost $100 million, I think it was 80-something million dollar. 80-something. Yeah, something million yeah. dollar uh, bump. The football program was the only athletic program with a, a profit. It was a $15-1 million profit. And then men's basketball, so football and basketball both, basketball was $1.3 mil. Now, that's significant, and that's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money when it comes to a college program like that. And then the local economy, they know, just exploded out there, too. So $15.1 million in profit for football, $1.3 in basketball, everything else lost money. And sometimes, you know, people will, will complain and, and whine about, well, why isn't this sport on TV? And why? Look, I like gymnastics. It's fun to watch. I've been to indoor track. I've been to swimming. I love all those things. They don't get the same eyes. They don't get the same dollars. And it, eventually, at some point, you know, it's money. At any rate, so there's good right there. And then there's bad. Colorado's being investigated for several violations. Now, one of them was a, a pretty simple one. Uh, it, it happened in May. They had a postgraduate camp for recent high school graduates and any player in the NCAA portal. Now, once they're out of high school, it's okay, right? I mean, you're, 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 there's some things that you can do. And then the NCAA transfer portal, once they're in, of that as well. However, there were 350 attendees at the camp. <clears throat> Seven of those were not high schoolers, but weren't in the portal. Mm. Can't do that. That's called tampering. And they say, well, they you know they can easily say, well, I didn't know. But what the NCAA says is, yeah, you didn't try to know. The camp did not ask participants that information. Yeah, or to prove that information, so they they gave themselves a two week recruiting ban and blah blah blah. But then other things. All right, so Sanders is featured in a recruit, or is featuring a recruit in an Instagram live video in mid May. That recruit later flipped to Texas, 
and you're not supposed to do that. Uh, not not the flip part, but you, you're featuring a potential recruit in an Instagram live video. Allowing a potential recruit inside the locker room during a pregame speech, which violates a rule. Uh, also, posting a photo of a spreadsheet of recruiting targets, which violates an NCAA rule. Uh, and then reposting an Instagram video of Colorado players participating in voluntary workouts, which violates an NCAA rule prohibiting recording such workouts and that to be used by the staff. So you may say all these things are, and, and that's just part of them, right? You might take it all these things and go, all right, it's not that big a deal. But you put them all together and you're seeing skirting of the edges. And maybe he didn't know because I would not be surprised if he, you know, the, we've said about the NCAA rule book before. It looks like a phone book. I mean, the old phone books. Oh, 452 pages. To yeah. Be exact. And, you know, and John Cooper once famously said, make it so it'll fit in my back pocket and I'll read it, you know, and, and then understand it, <laughs> which we'll I thought was that. funny, but it also made great sense. So there's a ton of stuff in there. You might look at that and go, that's not that big a deal. That's not that, that's that big a deal. But it does add up. And if you take into account what they did back in that camp in May, now you can't say I don't know anymore. Plus, even if you say I don't know, remember, it's like saying I didn't see the speed limit sign. You still get the ticket. Mm-hmm. So they still have to deal with it. So there's good and there's bad. But, you know, uh, we're going to talk about something else here. Bryce is going to point out. I guess my question with Dion is, are you completely prepared to take all the bad, knowing that there may be times when he goes, well, that's not my thing. I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. Right. But we still have the problem. Or is, and he obviously, considering money, way overpaid or way overmade as far as, you know, here's the problems, here are the good things. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're willing to, to do it, but for how long? And yeah. and if, you know, this year, yeah, not a great year. Started great, didn't finish great. If he doesn't eventually pay off and at least in the running for a conference championship, does that get old fast? That, that, I think that would. And, and then it's is it going to come down to a situation where, He's going to try and get out before anybody can tell him to kind of leave on his own terms at that point. Or have other opportunities, right? He has said he doesn't want to coach in the NFL because everybody thought that was what he wanted to do. And he has said, uh, point blank, I don't want to do that. Now, I wouldn't put it past someone like Jerry Jones next year to go, you know, I know he said that, but. And he was a cowboy, Mm. you know, partially. Of course, he played many places, Atlanta, San Francisco, and Dallas. Uh, So he's played a lot of different places. But I could see Jerry Jones wanting to make that splash and give that a try. And then if you do that, do you actually get his attention? Now, I know that's really crazy. You might think it's nuts. This is Jerry Jones we're talking about. And we're talking about Dion. People people might think he's nuts for keeping Mike McCarthy right now. (laughs) You put Jerry Jones and Dion together, and I can't decide whether that's like, you know, the world's best entree, or you just put battery acid in salt water. Yeah. And that's explosive. <laughs> so I just, I cannot imagine which which are we going to be looking at. All right. So but your point about Dion is something he's doing. <laughs> I can't do without laughing. He's something he's doing with the Marines. So, again, like we talked about at the very beginning of the show, when you talk about some of those issues or making however much money, and then now this story with inviting the Marines over to help his team train, all of it, you can just go, yeah, that sounds about right. And so he actually got some Marines to help his team train and doing these different workouts. And in this video that I see, you can see them. They got them lined up on one on one drill, lined up uh, in, in a straight line doing push-ups with each other's legs on each other's shoulders, having to do yes, push-ups yes, at the right. exact same time. One is you have to pick up your teammate and do squats against the other guys who are doing the same thing and see who can last like the longest 
uh, just a lot of team building exercises done by the Marine Corps in this offseason. So, uh, and I think it's uh, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, and it's definitely probably an eye-opener to some of these guys <laughs> besides your besides your normal routine, uh-huh. right? Uh, all the different things that it incorporates. Yeah, you think, you, you think you're working really hard, and <laughs> then you realize what these cats and young ladies, too, do mm-hmm. to, to qualify for either SEAL school or just, you know, just going to boot camp at Pendleton or wherever you go. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was kind of fun. Now, he's not the first guy to do it. But again, you're you're right because you'd look at it and go, oh, that's Dion, yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and again, I, I think of the school on these like some of these violations. He's going to sit there and go, I didn't know this, I didn't know this, I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. All right, look, you need to pay a little more attention, or you got to have somebody in your office who does know this. So as much as none of us want to read that 450 right. pages, I, you know, in this day and age, you better hire somebody. And every school has a compliance officer. I say every. I mean, most schools have a compliance officer. So you probably got to talk to your compliance officer before you do some of these things, right? It's easy to get tripped up by that book, I feel like. Uh But again, some of the rules these days when it comes to Portal or NIL, some of them it's just like, okay, you really had to try hard Mm -hmm. to to, uh, trip up on this certain thing. But then some not so much. I mean, you know, I I remember, and this is not unlike other things really, I guess, but I remember in my dive instructor, which I've been teaching now for 27 years, and when I took my exam, um, one of the exams, you did these five different uh, physics and things like that exams. There were five quiz type things you had to do, physics, equipment, and all that kind of stuff. Physics was a for me, but I learned it. Um, and then we got to the one hour exam, which was 80 questions. And it's open book. Oh. But you, you know, you need a per certain percentage to pass <clears throat> when yeah. it's open book. And if you're not careful, when you start going through any book like that, you'll find it contradicting itself. You'll see something here. Well, this is a little different than over here. And I, I, you know, I'm being really careful. I'm answering every question and realize that, you know, it took a long time and a lot of money to get to where I was. And it took a long time and a lot of money. Well, it took a lot of money to pay to even take this test. And then the physical tests were the next day, including the swimming and the teaching and all that kind of stuff and be down the ocean. And this was February. And so it's, you know, the ocean was fairly chilly. Oh, yeah. And as you can imagine, angry. Um, so, I mean, all, there's a lot in the line in this thing. And I'm taking all my time and I'm, and I'm looking at, and this book is frustrating the hell out of me because I'm looking at this. It looks like then this answer is a little different over here. And then I hear, all right, 20 minutes. And I still have 20 to go. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'd gone so slow. It was, pardon me, it's 100 questions. I'd gone so slow, and I am just ripping through those last 20 thinking. Question, question a minute. <laughs> right, right. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, okay, how many of these can I miss? <laughs> Fortunately, I was so diligent on the first part and still did okay on this, on that last 20 that it, it, that it worked out. But Like damage control. <laughs> you fail that, you go home. And you have to start the whole process over going through the entire, which, again, it's going to cost a lot of money. But this that kind of reminds me, have you ever gone to Walmart looking for something? And it should be right here. <laughs> I mean, it just makes sense. Yep. Everything else along that line is right here, and it's not. And then you'll go ask a store employee who generally knows pretty well, and you'll find whatever it is you're looking for, say it's, I don't know. And it's bullion cubes, <laughs> and you find them over in housewares. <laughs> and you're like, how the hell did this get here? Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody just makes sense out of this at some point. Yeah. Or you look up the aisle number. <laughs> I yeah. did this. Oh, this oh. should be accurate. Right. Well, <laughs> this was in Durham. We were okay. there. Now, Raleigh, we were there after Lindsay's surgery in May. And 
I had to take I needed to take her with me, but I needed to go buy something. And I said, you know, she wasn't walking well. And I said, look, I'm going to leave you here. I'm going to lock the door. Don't open it. And I'll be right back. And I run in the store because we had to have it. And I run in the store and I put in the aisle number and you know, or put in the, the thing and it told me the aisle number. There wasn't that aisle didn't exist. <laughs> doesn't exist. Not even that it's just not uh, on that aisle. Not there. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Oh, was I mad. It, this to me is a little bit like that when it comes to the NCAA rule book. You might find this here. You might not find it there. It might be in the other section over mm-hmm. there. And maybe it's a little bit of a dark area or that kind yeah, of thing. Enjoy the gray area. Yeah, the NCAA's got to, you know, Bob Stoops said it. What do you do besides put on a, a basketball tournament and confuse the hell out of everybody else? Mm-hmm. 829 on the Blitz 1170. He's Bryce Hulse. I'm Rick Corey. All right. So I mentioned that we are looking for predictions. Give us your prediction on the games this weekend. And if you'd like to shoot a happy birthday to Jeremy Poplin early, do that. 918-262-5072 on our Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line. Coming up next, Brian Wacker from the Baltimore Sun covering the Ravens as we talk playoffs on the Blitz. The Blitz 1170. Your new home for Rich Eisen. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. There's Thunder basketball on News on 6 tonight as Oklahoma City faces off the New Orleans Pelicans. The Thunder are coming off a win against San Antonio in which they shot 56% from the field. Tip-off tonight is at 7 o'clock. SGA will be a starter in the NBA All-Star Game on February 18th. Last season's game marked his inaugural All-Star nod. This will be the first year he's a starter. Shea is averaging 31.1 points, 5.6 rebounds, and 6.4 assists per game. And the ORU Golden Eagles were winners over Omaha last night, 74-67. Isaac McBride once again led ORU, this time with 22 points. The Golden Eagles will be back in action tomorrow night as they host South Dakota State at 7 o'clock. That's the Winter World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson, the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. The Blitz 1170 weather provided by Community Care, your locally owned health plan. Blitzing up your mornings. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? You can always join in by texting us at 918-262-5072. That is our Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line. If you have a question about uh, um, you know, this weekend's games with, for Brian Wacker covering the Ravens, you can do that right now right here on the Blitz 1170. It's 835. I'm Rick Corey. That is Bryce Hulse in the next room. Now we are proud to welcome to our hotline that very gentleman, Brian, Brian Wacker uh, for the Baltimore Sun. Pardon me, Brian. I was trying to move two things as I was trying to say your name. What's the weather like out there this morning in Baltimore? Well, it's been a really strange week of weather, actually. We had, to, you know, really cold temperatures last weekend uh, for that Texans divisional round game. And really most of this week has been fairly warm. Today it's uh, it's been kind of rainy and soggy and in the 50s. And, and I think that's the expectation for Sunday as well, chance of rain and and kind of warmer temperatures. So I don't think weather is going to play a huge factor in this game. We certainly aren't going to see – you know, the kind of ice bowl conditions that we've seen in the past uh, yeah. this time of year in some of these games. And that's a good thing. You know, now it's been so much has been made about Mahomes being on the road, which they were successful mm-hmm. last week in Baltimore, or pardon me, in uh, Kansas, or pardon me, in Buffalo. Now coming to Baltimore. Now, Buffalo is a notoriously a difficult place to play, and it was ridiculously cold. Yeah, I don't hear a lot, and I've never been in the stadium, so I have to admit, I've never, I don't hear a lot about the stadium there and the atmosphere. Catch us up. We've seen games there, but is that a difficult place to go in and win? 
Well, it's certainly loud. Um, you know, teams have, have come in and win here. We saw it early in the season. Of course, the Indianapolis Colts winning here, uh, Cleveland Browns winning here. Uh, but this is a loud stadium. Patrick Mahomes has talked about, you know, this is one of two stadiums, uh, Seattle being the other, where he's had to, you know, go to that silent count because the crowd is really loud. And we saw that last week against Houston. I think 11 penalties against uh, the Texans, if memory is correct. And I believe five of those were false starts. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so that crowd noise really seemed to play a factor last week. Now, will it play a factor again for a guy like Patrick Mahomes who's playing in his sixth straight AFC championship? I'm not so sure, even though it's on the road uh, and so forth. Look, he's been in those environments. He knows how to operate uh, with a silent count, so it'll be interesting to see if it does impact Kansas City at all. You know, when you look at this game, and I'm going to ask you to break it down a little bit later on, Brian Wacker here from the Baltimore Sun covering the Ravens. You see a Ravens defense that we all know is fantastic. You see a highly rated offense, and you look over at Kansas City, and you see that you know their team grades overall, 11th offensively, or 12th offensively, 11th overall, tied 15th defensively, really getting special teams at number four. Yet Mahomes is that key. He is that guy. Let's put him aside. When you look at this Chiefs team, what else do you see that's brought them this far? Well, there's two things, I think, to watch in this game in particular. I think one of them is Isaiah Pacheco, um, you know, one of the best running backs in the NFL, and also the kind of running back that the Ravens have struggled to contain, uh, you know, a guy that runs angry, that runs hard. And they've struggled with, with those guys, in, uh, you know, really throughout the course of the season. You go back to that Rams game, here in Baltimore that they won uh, the Ravens won in overtime. Kyron Williams, you know, the Rams came out and ran the ball, I think, eight or nine straight plays right out of the gate, marched down the field. Um, you know, so teams can run the ball against this Ravens team, and I think Isaiah Pacheco can be something of an X factor in this game. And then interesting point you make about Kansas City special teams, obviously very good. The Ravens, again, they have struggled at times with their special teams unit. Um, they've given up punt return for a touchdown. Uh, we saw that against Houston. They've struggled in other areas. They, they punt block earlier in this, uh, this season. So there have been some, some misses there. There's been a lot of inconsistency for this Ravens special teams unit. And I would not be stunned if there was a play in this game for Kansas City. Maybe that helps swing the momentum in that area uh, you know, uh, of the game. 839 on the Blitz 1170. Brian Wacker covering the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun is with us. This is a Friday, and of course, we are right ahead of those championship games. It's Kansas City, Baltimore, 2 o'clock on Sunday, Detroit, San Francisco at 530. I'm Rick Corey, along with Bryce Hulse. Brian, one name that we're familiar with around here is Justice Hill, who's a Tulsa native, played his ball at Oklahoma State. Um, from the looks of it, I, I think that, you know, it's kind of running back by committee for the, for the Ravens. But he, with J.K. Dobbins being out, you know, he's had certainly a lot more production. What can you say about his play so far this season? Yeah, Justice is, is kind of an interesting case, to your point. I mean, they had J.K. Dobbins go down in week one, uh, and then they kind of go by committee again with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill and, of course, Lamar Jackson. Then they have the undrafted rookie, Keaton Mitchell, burst onto the scene kind of midway sort of through the season. Then he goes down with a season-ending injury. They end up adding Dalvin Cook to the roster, uh, who got a little bit of run in that game last week against the Texans. Uh, I'm not sure he'll get um, the same sort of looks this week unless it's 
you know, a wide margin. But Hill is, is a dynamic back. I mean, he's played well this year. Um, last week he had, I believe, uh, over 60 yards, 66 carries on 13, 66 yards rather, on 13 carries. Uh, he's a guy who can catch the ball out of the field. They love to run those wheel routes with him coming out of the backfield. They, they'll even line him up. There's a really nice play design last week on a third and two or three uh, in Houston territory where they split him out wide and then kind of motioned him back toward the line and created some space essentially for Lamar to hit him on a short pass in the flat to be able to pick up the first down. So he's a guy who can do a lot of things for this offense. Uh, Gus Edwards, more of a sort of North South between the tackles kind of runner, short yardage, goal line, et cetera. Justice is a guy who, you know, sort of underrated because uh, for all of the injuries and so forth they've had, he's filled in really nicely. And, you know, look, he's not as explosive as Mitchell. He's not as powerful as uh, at times as Gus Edwards or, or maybe J.K. Dobbins was before his injuries. But uh, he's a guy who has played very nicely, can pass block, can catch the ball, and can run the ball. And I think he'll play, you know, he'll play a role in this game for sure. One cool thing about him is almost every time Justice Hill touches it, you feel like he can go the distance. He's just got that shake to him that makes it feel like he's dangerous. Yeah, look, this is a guy, again, Not he's not the home run hitter that Keaton Mitchell was where that guy, you know, he gets the edge and, and he's uh, even the play he got injured on looked like if he didn't get tackled there by the ankle, he might have taken that one to the house. So Justice, though, is a guy, he's got enough speed, you know, he sort of does everything well. It's, it, he's a guy I look at as like he's not really great in any one area, but he's fast enough. He runs hard enough. Uh, as I mentioned, pass blocking has is, is been extremely important uh, and, and probably will be against that Steve Spagnuolo defense uh, in terms of them blitzing Lamar, who has been really good against the blitz, by the way. Uh, in part because of guys like Justin Hill picking up blocks or maybe catching a pass in the flat. So. He's a, he's a dynamic guy, an underrated guy probably in this offense, but that's kind of how they operate. A few more minutes here. We are talking to the man who covers the Baltimore Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. This is Brian Wacker here on the Blitz 1170. I am Rick Corey along with Bryce Sauls. You know, one of the narratives has been Lamar Jackson is fantastic. Lamar Jackson is fantastic. Lamar Jackson can't win the big game. And that happens when you don't win the big game. You're around him. At least you get a chance to be around him in the locker room. How does he handle that, the pressure of that? And what is different about him this year? I personally see a little bit more of what I consider maturity in some of his answers and things like that. It just seems to have settled in. What's your opinion? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head with that word maturity. I think that's been true both in his style of play and his decision-making, as, especially as the season has gone on. I think he's really, you know, look, he, he's, he was a fantastic player, generational talent before this season, but I think he's kind of grown up before our eyes with the marriage of this offense and Todd Monkin and, and having more responsibility and having more input and say, both in play calling and play design, um, and he seems to have, you know, really embraced that role and kind of taken it and run with it, no pun intended. Um, this is a guy who, remember, last two years, he was hurt at this time of the year. He's missed 11 games the previous two seasons. Of course, wasn't uh, able to play in that wild card game against the Bengals last season. Um, and really, you know, for all the criticism he's gotten about not winning the, you know, playoff games and, and 
sort of that playoff record and not winning the big game. I think we also have to remember it's a guy when he came in in, in 2018 and, you know, that was his rookie season. He'd only played half the year as the starter. And so, you know, you kind of have to give him a, a little bit of a pass. I feel like in that chargers game, a bunch of turnovers and so forth. First time in that moment, everything was moving fast for him, I think. Uh, and then of course, um, there have been some opportunities that did pass him by, um, you know, divisional round loss to the Titans, which was a stunner in 2019 uh, here in Baltimore, and then uh, a divisional round loss to the Buffalo Bills. So, look, he's had opportunities, but I think you also have to look at the players around him. He's never really had anything close to this level of talent around him. I'm sure he's had Mark Andrews, but he's never had the kind of receiving core he's had. He's never really had a, a wide receiver even though he's a rookie, to the quality, I would say, of Zay Flowers, who, you know, doesn't really play like a rookie, doesn't act like a rookie, and is, a, you know, a true number one receiver, or at least has played like one. You've got a guy like Odell Beckham and all the experience he brings and sort of know-how uh, and even playmaking ability, uh, even at 31 years old. And then a guy, even guys like Nelson Aguilar, you know, a veteran guy, doesn't have to be the guy in this receiving core and has had some nice games. And then, of course, you look at the tight ends. Mark Andrews should be back this weekend after that ankle injury earlier in the season. And Isaiah Likely is a, is a young tight end, second-year tight end, who's really starting to come into his own. So, you know, this is a team, I think, in Lamar's previous experiences were just really young, inexperienced. And Lamar maybe wasn't, uh, by his own admission, you know, as detail-oriented as he needed to be, uh, to win those types of games. So now he's in the spot. Now, you know, this is this is why they paid him $260 million, mm-hmm. not just to get to this game, but to win games like this. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, closing moments. A couple of things here left for Brian Wacker covering the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. You mentioned Andrews. Of course, got a lot of Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma flavor there. Mm-hmm. Justice Hill, Todd Munkin, Andrews there. How big is it to have him back? Yeah, I think, look, he's a security blanket for, for Lamar Jackson. They came into the league the same year together. They have incredible innate chemistry with each other. Um, it's, I think it's nothing but helpful. You know, there's a bit of a narrative out there that, you know, perhaps it would stunt Isaiah Likely's success. Who he's been terrific this past month and uh, month or so since Andrews has been out. Uh, but I disagree with that. I think they can utilize both of those guys. Uh, Likely's playing with a high level of confidence right now has a nice chemistry with Lamar. And anytime you can get an all-pro tight end back, a yeah. guy like Mark Andrews, uh, you know, it's a win-win. I was fascinated by one of the articles you wrote. You know, when we talk about this team, we talk about Lamar, but we also have to talk about this defense, and I'm a defensive guy. I love it. You wrote an article about the Ravens' defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald. We got assistants getting head jobs all over the place, two hired yesterday, including Raheem Morris, who's a D coordinator himself, or was, and now a head coach. And you write that there's a – a chaos or so. And I love your line about, you know, the Sistine ceiling and all that kind of thing. So what is it about Mike McDonald? Why isn't he talked about a little bit more and how good is this defense really? Cause numbers wise, they're fantastic. Yeah. And I think the numbers really kind of match with just how good they are. Look, the thing about Mike, uh, as I wrote in that story is, is I talked to a number of people, both uh, going back to his high school days, uh, all the way up through his, days with the Ravens here the last two seasons as their defensive coordinator. This guy is really smart, uh, understands the game at a high, high level, understands how to generate pressure 
without having to blitz more, you know, bring a blitz package, right? And you blitz against a guy like Patrick Mahomes and he's going to kill you all day long. Uh, it, but if you can generate pressure with just three or four guys and sort of disguise those looks, and that's exactly what Mike McDonald really has done all year. We saw it against the uh, Houston Texans last week, and we've seen it throughout the season where he recognizes not only how to generate those those kinds of confusing looks to muddy the picture for the opposing quarterback, but he puts guys in the right places to succeed. We've seen things like corner blitzes and little details about making sure to blitz on that outside shoulder so a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes can't spin away from it and get to the outside and get on the edge and make a big play. Um, they've done a really nice job of containing sort of those edges with guys like Jadavian Clowney, who's a ter- also a ter- terrific run defender. Uh, so really, I think it's just brilliant. This guy who's 36 years old, um, who is just a, a, a really incredibly hard worker, very, very detail oriented. And I think understands the concepts of, you know, look, you need to create pressure immediately and you need to be able to do it with as few people as possible because these quarterbacks are so good now that if you bring six guys on a rush, you know, they're going to hit the hot route. They're going to hit somebody, something deep, uh, those covers, Euro coverages, things like that. So, um, you know, he, uh, and he resonates with guys. He, he, his message sinks in with players for whatever reason. This is the guy who, you know, high school career was cut short uh, by injuries, didn't play in college, but he, you know, he's a young guy. He resonates, I think really because players, respect what he's able to allow them to do. And, and there's a, a dynamic there between the two of them um, that just meshes really well. And the very final thing for Brian Wacker covering the Ravens up in Baltimore. So I want you to break it down and predict this for me. Well, look, I, <laughs> I, I as much as uh, the Ravens have been dominant on defense and as incredible as this season has been, I still like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to be able to get this done simply for the fact that they seem to be clicking at the right time. Now, look, I think they have some concerns uh, with their, ta- their their guard, rather, Tooney. It doesn't look like he's going to play. Uh, you're going to have Pacheco playing a little bit banged up. Uh, uh, he didn't practice again yesterday. He's got an ankle and toe injury, but, but I think he can sort of shoot that up and play through the pain. Um, you've got other guys like Naughty, their defensive tackle, hasn't practiced this week. So, you know, there are some injuries and there are some concerns, but this is a six straight AFC championship game for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Andy Reid is a brilliant head coach. Steve Spagnuolo, I think, will find a way to get to Lamar at some point. And I think this is a close one comes down at the end. And I, I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes does his thing as he's always done in these situations. Uh, and I, I think I predicted 24-23 Kansas City with some late game heroics. As always, and we on to the you know Taylor Swift Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Brian, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Heck of a job doing that, and love your writing. Thank you very much, and, and have a good day, a good day, good weekend, and hope you have a good game.
Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game, and uh, thanks again for having me. You bet. Brian Wacker covering the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. It's 8.52 on the Blitz 1170. He's Bryce Hulse. I'm Rick Corey. I need to tell you one more time before we go about Triad Eye Institute and their $3,600 LASIK special because it ends in just a few days. That special ends at the end of January. At February 1st, LASIK will cost more than $3,600. So you take that $3,600, as I said before, imagine how many glasses and contacts you don't have to buy the rest of your life. How many doctor's visits or ophthalmologist visits you don't have to go through? You'll still have to go to an eye doctor, but it just won't be nearly as often. You don't need prescriptions anymore. Imagine how easy that would be. Then imagine that you could get 0% financing for the procedure, which is available. You have to see if you qualify. And imagine you can get a free screening to see if it works for you. All those are wonderful advantages, but the biggest advantage coming from somebody who's had surgery at Triad is you can see again without any of those things the rest of your life. You're going to love it. Call 918-252-2020. But hurry, 918-252-2020 and see more of 2024 with Triad Eye Institute. The Blitz 1170, your new home for Dan Patrick. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.